becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Take me down to the shores of ignorance. The grass is green and the ideas are pretty. The ideas are pretty. Oh, you please take me home? Turn me on in my mind. <laughs> Turn me on. I love it. Well, cheers. Let's go. Take me down. Take me down to the shores, baby. Mm. Wednesday once again. Yes. We've done this 70 times now. 70. Well, this is our 70th. Yeah. Um, that's pretty, pretty cool. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So. So thanks, Mom and Dad, for listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to talk about love again. Love. <laughs> You're so sing-songy today. I know. It's, 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 it's always unrecognizable. Like, what, what song are you actually singing? No one will ever know. <laughs> exactly. Even when you try to, ex- try to explain it. Uh, da, da, you know, da, 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 no, no, I don't know. <laughs> oh. So a couple of episodes back, we, we had one titled Love, the Hero, the Fool. Hmm. It's actually not out yet, so I don't know that if that's what it's going to be titled. Something like that. The Hero and the Fool. We're just going to have like an episode dump. We've got We're seven. Drop a season. Yeah. I think um, we've got seven episodes to put out. We'll call it like the seven, the untold story. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it was a really interesting conversation, and I, I've just been thinking and thinking and thinking about it. And so I think we're going to try to see if we can untangle some thoughts here. Yeah. I think probably... Uh, you kind of brought this up earlier today. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, do you want to lay out sort of like a, um, kind of what you're talking about, like with ideals and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or we can kind of stumble into it. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me do my best, and we can okay. see where it goes. So, we, I think we established in the previous episode um, that love seeks the divine. Mm-hmm. So you're in a relationship with someone, you are seeking the divine in them. And there's something of a narrowing of focus in that case. You know, you look at your beloved and you see, you see their best and you see the potential of how their best can become better. Mm -hmm. You see things that they can't even see. And the narrowing is it's, it's an exclusion of what otherwise might come into your picture. You know, you'll sort of ignore things that are negatives, mm-hmm. um, or at least not give them much weight because you have this love that will replace it with moving your gaze to what it is that you love about this person. And in that way, that is, I think, what the seeking of the divine is. Mm-hmm. You know, each individual has this transcendence, this potential transcendence. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the that's the the premise that this country is based on. That the the locus of sovereignty is the individual, mm-hmm. and that that is because <clears throat> of this idea that um, human beings have something of of divinity in them, and when you love someone i'll use the example of a romantic partner because i think it's it works well um <clears throat> you see that transcendence at the exclusion of some other things mm-hmm. so your focus narrows um and then you pursue that and that pursuit tends to manifest that trans that potential transcendence mm-hmm. that potential divinity um in a way that wouldn't be manifest in that individual without the love that shone a spotlight on it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that's where I think we kind of left off. And so I've been, I keep thinking about, so what does it mean to love someone? And I think it means to move toward them and toward that, that you see that, that sort of narrowed focus on their divinity. Mm-hmm. You move toward that you actively put your attention on it and there's something that seems to me necessary in the movement of love. Like I think in a way love is movement. Hmm. 
Um, so then something interesting, I think, happens if that relationship ends. Because the premise of the relationship was the, was the casting of an ideal. Um, because when you narrow your focus to the divine in someone else, mm-hmm. that is literally an ideal because it isn't the whole picture. Mm-hmm. You are focusing on a part of the picture and pulling out the best part. You are defining an ideal of that person. So you have an ideal, you are, you are in, in, in a way interacting primarily with your own ideal of that person. And they are called into that. And I think in a good relationship made better for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so long as you are moving toward that, um, we don't really conceptualize it this way. We conceptualize it maybe as the feeling of love. <clears throat> but if a relationship stops, the movement stops. Mm-hmm. And I think something really interesting happens. Um, for one thing, what that person, who that person is and who you are in relationship to that person starts to become clear in a way that was almost the reality of it. The whole picture sort of comes in the, the, the light of your attention uh, expands to see more. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and yet you still have this, this projection of an ideal this ideal that was projected through the lens of love, through the lens of that, of that um, moving of love. And now you see both really clearly mm-hmm. because the motion has stopped. And when you see it clearly, you can also see the distance between the two. And mm-hmm. the ideal that was projected suddenly becomes a judge against what was mm-hmm. or what is now that it's no longer moving. So you start to see the ideal more clearly and the reality, let's say, I don't like, it's not exactly reality, but it's, you, you start to see what was maybe not useful toward the, for, to the movement of love mm-hmm. that, you, that was excluded. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the distance between the two. Yeah. And there's judgment in that. And that's, or maybe the obstacles that, that kept you from moving, continue moving towards that ideal. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between that and like sort of naive optimism or naive idealism? Hmm. So it's like, you know, again, you, you know, whether, uh, um, we'll just think of, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson, for example, you know, it's like, I have this sort of naive idealism of, of him, you know, where he kind of has, oh, a way of answering questions and stuff like that. But then when you see him in his uh, vulnerability of having gone through this last two years, you know, it's like they're just sort of humanizing of him also, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, is that, was there that part of in, in love also, you know, or even Eric Weinstein, you know, it's like he has this way of engaging, but sometimes I'm like, Ooh, a little bit too abrasive, dude. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can certainly create an ideal of a person outside of a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we do this, I think, with our parents mm-hmm. naturally, mm-hmm. for example. And at some point, they, point. they have to be sort of knocked off their pedestal mm-hmm. as we come into adulthood. And that can be a, a fairly uh, disruptive and violent thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say w- for a public individual, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure that that analogy holds for me because I think what I'm describing requires relationship. Mm-hmm. It requires personal relationship. And in, yeah. you know, in the case of idolizing a, a, a public figure, mm-hmm. there isn't a relationship there. There's sort of a, a one way relationship. Yeah. It's, it's definitely that. I guess I think, I think uh, uh, our parents would be a, um, would be more, it's the same thing, but you're more relationship with them. And, you know, it's like that point where, Oh, my parents are not superhuman, you know, or they're fallible or, you know, that kind of thing. That's that sort of corrects maybe some of that idealism that you had as a, as a youth or something like that. Yeah. 
I mean, even if it was, if, even with a loved one that, you know, in marriage, it's like you, you know, everyone calls it the honeymoon phase, you know, and I kind of hate that, that, I, that sort of like framing of it, you know, it's like, <clears throat> but there's like sort of these stages in your relationship that are fun and, you know, super exciting, you know? Yeah. But then you also start to have to like, you know, what wallpaper goes on the wall or right. we don't use wallpaper anymore, but <laughs> you know, which I regret. I, I really like wallpaper. You really? Yeah. <laughs> I've hung wallpaper before as a kid. I remember my mom doing it and I helped her and it's just like lining it all up. Mm-hmm. Wait, once it's on there, it's yeah. like, you can't move it. I feel like cool wallpaper has <clears throat> become like a modern, like a thing that I'm seeing a lot in like restaurant bathrooms. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like in a restaurant bathroom and, and I'll be like, why don't we do this in our homes? This is cool. Yeah. We have someone at Medici, uh, that green wall. That's all yeah. wallpaper. Nice. <laughs> um, I might've derailed us a little bit too much, but I kind of wanted to like kind of poke a hole in it just a little bit or just like, what is that? That yeah. is, cause like there is the romantic aspect of like, cause you do like you were saying earlier uh, before the podcast is when you start a relationship with someone, uh, especially a romantic relationship, you do exclude other romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And this is not like with polyamory and all the, right. all this stuff today, but it's like, but there is that sort of like when you have this singularity of devotion, yeah, you focus your, t- you're able to focus more attention yeah. than you would if you had five relationships. Yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah. You could be dating around and then decide, Hey, I I want you to be my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe even regardless of the point of, you know, polyamory with, but, Mm -hmm. um, I think when you say that, so what you're saying is I want to narrow my focus Mm -hmm. onto you at the exclusion of any other potential people right now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and the ultimate, I think expression of that is the idea of marriage, Mm -hmm. which is, I'm going to make that statement to you, but I'm also going to extend it across time mm. and say, I'm making this and I'm making it final. Yeah. To my death. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's that narrowing of focus, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and I think, I think that there are, there are, there are healthy and unhealthy parts of this. I mean, mm-hmm. I think of the honeymoon stage as sort of an extreme narrowing into the, the positives in another individual Mm -hmm. and and you become sort of intoxicated by it. And that's why it's the honeymoon phase Mm -hmm. and it doesn't last. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, any relationship that that goes on long enough is going to encounter enough of the, the, well, you know, we talk about, um, order and chaos in, in the importance of balance between the two. Mm -hmm. So the chaos has to be constantly incorporated into the order Mm -hmm. and the order has to constantly incorporate the chaos and be disordered. You know, there's this relationship there. And so, Mm -hmm. so if you, if what you see in your beloved is a narrowed focus, an ideal of that individual, including their potential and future transcendence, um, you know, through the course of a relationship, you were going to have to contend with and reconcile and incorporate the stuff that you have ex- excluded. Mm-hmm. You know, as you are moving, as your love is moving, mm-hmm. those things are going to start to come up, you know, and how they come up. It's sort of like dealing with the unconscious. Mm. It's like you have this, <clears throat> you have this um, disruption of your psyche. And what does it mean? You don't know. Yeah. But if you don't allow it, it becomes neurosis. So you you allow it, and as you encounter it, it's very uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. you start to realize there were some things that you were excluding and avoiding about yourself, and they need to be incorporated. Yeah. And this is very Jungian. Uh-huh. Um, but the same thing, I think, happens between the lines of exclusion in a relationship. Yeah, It's like, this, is, this keeps coming up, and it's like it's knocking us out of our trance here. Uh-huh. So, you know, we need to deal with it. Yeah. What is it? And, you know, I, I think a lot of times that process can also be productive or regressive mm. um, because you can incorporate that and see that it enriches your love, mm. that it, it, it strengthens it. Yeah. But it might threaten it. It might threaten it to its breaking point. That's interesting. Like, uh, let me see if this goes anywhere. Like, even like the, as you incorporate 
order out of the chaos. You know, there's this, I think that is sort of like the idea of moving forward. Like you continue to create order out of the chaos that comes through, comes to you. There's an ideal. You don't understand that ideal or what it is or what it, you have a perception of what it seems to be. And so you engage yeah, that. At its far end, it's purely symbolic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as you engage that, it actually reveals itself to you. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, as you start to order that into your relationship, um, you know, again, if you don't, if you don't continue to contend with the chaos, you know, that is something that is beyond what you understand or what you can see now. It's just ideal. Mm. Uh, then that order actually starts to stagnate without incorporating new newness into it, you know? Well, and it starts to become, to borrow a word here, probably from, uh, maybe the intellectual dark web as a whole, mm-hmm. but it starts to become tyrannical. Oh yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. I think, which is why relationships can become suffocating sometimes. Mm. I mean, that that's another ill effect of lack of movement. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's just like a stagnant pond rather mm-hmm. than a, than a right. flowing <clears throat> river or something like that. <clears throat> Very boost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> hmm. That's really interesting. I mean, it takes engagement. I mean, anything in the unknown, mm-hmm. including the potential transcendence of of your partner, um, has to be engaged to be brought about. And once you engage it, it starts to take on words and names, mm. or maybe it starts to take on a feel or a color or a, a piece of art or something, mm-hmm. and then names and words, and then some greater form of articulation and then understanding Hmm. and then sharing between the two of you. And then it becomes a part of the relationship. It's incorporated. Dude, that's amazing. It's like, you're, you're also ordering your life around Mm -hmm. that ideal or that process. Yeah. Yeah. And so you start to incorporate that into how you interact, how you move forward, what your dreams are. It's a, it's, it's, you you almost start to build a metaphorical house Mm. together and, you know, it's whenever you have, um, these big crashes that change your, what you thought you were building. And there's like a wrecking ball that comes through. <laughs> I feel like I've experienced that on a few occasions. Yeah. Like, it's like, wait, wait a minute. No. Uh, and then you have to deal with it and, and, and come against that sort of chaos so, that kind of like shifts your like, I thought it was this thing, but it was absolutely something different. You know? Well, that's interesting because um, the wrecking ball imagery mm-hmm. is really popular in folk Americana and country music. Oh, interesting. What do you mean? I mean, there's a lot of songs called wrecking ball, you know, and, and I think that songwriters in that genre are very fond of writing about love and, and maybe the sadder aspects of love. Mm. Um, Malcolm Gladwell has a really amazing episode of his podcast, um, revisionist history Mm. called why country music makes you cry. Mm. And he laid out this fantastic case that basically like country music and sort of it's offshoots, which I think folk and Americana and red dirt and all these other things are in in the broader red dirt. I've never heard of that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, um, they write very specifically about things. Mm hmm like where they were when this thing occurred. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you listen to, um, rock and roll Mm -hmm. or rap music, Mm -hmm. you don't have specificity like that. Yeah. Um, but you can listen to a country song, even if you don't like country Mm -hmm. and be brought to tears. And I cried several times during the episode. Um, he plays this song, uh, um, Oh, what is the name of that song? He stopped loving her today. You ever mm. heard that song? I, I probably yeah. Oh, it's <clears throat> so sad. He stopped loving her today. <laughs> That's how it goes. I apologize to all of our <laughs> listeners. Um, all he goes about is like, "Went down yon on a Chattahoochee." <laughs> but I think that that analogy of the wrecking ball <clears throat> makes perfect sense, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about love, because love does build a house. It builds a house or to your point, like a way of seeing things, mm. an orientation toward engaging in life. It contains hopes. It contains dreams. It contains realities. 
it, but it is a, it's a sort of a complex organiz, organizational structure of how to live your life, mm-hmm. right? And then the love ends. What does it feel like? A wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I'm not sure that there's anything that can be felt more deeply than that, which is your entire concept for how to live is, it's, it's not like removed. It's mm-hmm. broken. Well, it's even, even just literally and symbolically how two people combine their households, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, traditionally speaking in, uh, maybe Protestant or, or most West, uh, I mean, in a lot of traditions, it's where, you know, you don't move in together until you get married. And it's this idea of like, once you do that, you're building something together, you yeah. know, up until that point, it's like, you're kind of making a commitment and courting and then you're, then you're building a house together, mm-hmm. you know, you know, literally, you know? Right. Um, and when you do that, it's like, and you're building it to orient toward <clears throat> the, well, you're, you're building it to orient toward the future, mm-hmm. whether that's to like accommodate children that you'll have together mm-hmm. or a business that you'll run together or the things that you like to do together. Mm-hmm. You're orienting it toward a value structure that arises out of the the ideal of the relationship. Oh, it's, it's interesting. Like, um, and when you move in, you bring. I have a chair. She has a couch. You know, a table. But then over the years, as you replace those things, it's no longer whose couch is that, whose table is that, because it's like you've, you've at some point replaced those things with something that is you've done together. That's what, that's why divorce is so Mm. deadly hard. Yeah. Because whose couch is that? Yeah. No one knows. Mm -hmm. It's the relationships couch. That's whose couch it is. Mm -hmm. So now you've got to start defining things that never needed definition Mm -hmm. and, and things you didn't even know to define, you know? But it's also, it's there also the reality which I kind of see some people try to do this, but I don't think it's healthy or good in trying to keep things separate. You know, like I have my bank account, you have your bank account and then we'll figure out who pays for what. Yeah. Like that, that seems really, there's something not, there's something disunifying in that idea. And I, I, I'm kind of struggling because I don't want to like necessarily that's bad, but, but I, I, I mean, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had this discussion with people before and people feel all kinds of different ways about it. Totally. You know, I think it's really interesting when I have, when I ask or couples about this and how mm-hmm. they handle it and, you know, they feel very strongly that they're mm-hmm. doing it right. And I've always had this sense of like, if you're keeping anything separate, yeah, there's, there's going to be some negative effect of that, Mm -hmm. you know, and you might be able to sustain that just perfectly fine. And that works and that's fine. Um, but I think there is something negative to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I want to say there's something different between like interests, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I like to play chess. Allison likes to dance, you know, it's like, those are separate interests, you know? Yeah. But actually there's something like healthy and good about that is like having separate interests. Then you can kind of go come together and talk about it, you know? Yeah. Like, Oh, Hey, I did this or you did that. Oh, cool. You know? So there's something good about that, but then it seems like there's also other things that are not good or healthy to keep separate, you know? Yeah. Well, there's a line to be drawn between sort of individuation and codependency. Mm. Like there has to be a balance between the mm. two. Like, Good of course, you know, and you're in a relationship. Of course I'm an individual, mm-hmm. but of course I'm dependent on you. Yeah. You know, my life is dependent on you. You are incorporated into it such that if you were to be removed, it would have this wrecking ball effect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on the far end of unhealth, <clears throat> that dependency becomes a codependency, which is bad or can be bad, mm-hmm. but it's the same on the other side. If you're individuated too much, then, then the, let's keep with the house analogy. It's like the, the walls are, are not built well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the house of the relationship is not well kept. Or it's divided. Like this part of the house is mine. That mm-hmm. part of the house is yours. Or right. 
we have a neutral space in the middle and yep. that's where we meet. <laughs> right. And anyone who's ever had a roommate knows that, you know, it's, not, it's like part of it. Your room is your home. The rest of it's kind of your home. Mm -hmm. There's places that definitely aren't your home there, mm -hmm. you know, and you, that's true. That's you don't want that with a, with a partner you want mm -hmm. to share a home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I don't know. There's something else I wanted to, to try to, to approach here about this idea and I don't okay. know a natural way to get into it. So just, I'll just, just, do it, yeah. just to hit it. So, you know, I feel like we're talking a lot about a lot of things that each of these could use their own sort mm -hmm. of hour discussion, but like mm -hmm. this, this concept that love is emotion, mm. um, given that as a premise, which I think we could probably unpack that for a while. But, um, so, so when the motion stops, as, as I said earlier, you have this, this, projected ideal that you've been moving toward. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I think constantly making so it's like you're, you're chipping away at it and bringing it into reality and, and building it. Um, you know, but when, when the motion stops, you, well, there's something about time. So when you're moving towards the ideal when you are, when, when love is in motion, the parts that are sort of excluded mm -hmm. don't exactly matter all that much. Mm -hmm. you, you don't really have to name them, describe them. It's, they can kind of live in the unconscious and you can incorporate them as you go. Mm -hmm. um, and the ideal also doesn't matter all that much. Mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't need to be clearly described. It doesn't need to be defined. It's okay for most of it to live at the far end of that symbol. Mm -hmm. um, but then when the motion stops, because what really matters is that you're moving. Yeah. And that's why um, those things don't need to be clearly defined to be functional. And I think to clearly define them would, well, it would take a lot of the magic out of it. Mm -hmm. so, so, but once it's stopped, the motion has stopped. These two things snap into focus in like hyper clarity. So the things that were excluded and safe to be excluded because love was pulling them behind. Mm -hmm. um, now everything is stopped. And so all of a sudden there's no motion, which sort of like does this dance of, of um, ordering chaos. Now everything just sort of devolves into this disordered thing. And you have to start looking at all of it and saying, well, what is this? And why was this this way? And mm -hmm. why did I do this this way? And <clears throat> my God, I didn't, I felt this way and I never really told you, mm -hmm. you know, positive or negative or whatever. And it's all this comes into focus, but the other side comes into focus too. the ideal. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you're not moving toward that and you feel it much stronger. Mm. You see it more clearly because you are stopped at a vantage point where you can compare where you are to what it is. Mm -hmm. It's measurable now. And so that folk, that, that ideal becomes clarified in a way that I think generally when it is love makes people absolutely miserable to mm. behold. I mean, you know, what is the, it's like we have <clears throat> every movie and song forever has been about this, mm -hmm. the breakup song mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is the common theme? It's just absolute misery. Mm -hmm. Your heart, it's like, we try to say we're heartbroken, but what does that mean? We don't know. We just know everything hurts and nothing makes sense. It is, it is misery. Yeah. And it occurred to me in some sense that I think that's exactly what hell is. Hmm. It is being forced to see the ideal, whether that's in a relationship or in your life in, as a whole, who you could be, who the world could be, what your relationships could be see that with absolute clarity and see the distance between that and where things are clearly, mm -hmm. which highlights exactly how things are. Mm -hmm. And then there's no motion. Yeah. You are stuck there to be judged by the ideal to still desire even more deeply now that you see it. And this is another common theme, right? When couples break up, you know, two, three weeks later, a month later, what does both of them want to do? They 
want more than anything to get back together, even in a relationship that wasn't, was not mm. good for them, mm-hmm. even an abusive relationship. Yeah. You know, and I think this is part of the reason for that is that once the motion of love stops, you see more clearly how good it could have been. Mm-hmm. And it is absolutely intolerable to stand motionless against that projection and be judged by it and want it. Mm-hmm. That's misery. I think that's hell. <clears throat> it definitely seems like it's a, you're also experiencing, experiencing death in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, that's, and that, that's the ultimate stop motion. <laughs> you know, it's like whenever a relationship comes to an end, it's like you, you die in hmm. that form. Totally. And, and, and the ideal has to die too, mm-hmm. yeah. which I think violates something in us at a really fundamental level in a, in, in a way that seems to me like, like blasphemy. Hmm. You know, there's also something blasphemous about this idea of like stopping love because you know, now the ideal becomes a judge and the reality of what was becomes clear and you don't want it to be judged because before there wasn't, there was not a lot of separation between what it was and what it could be that coexisted together. Mm -hmm. And now you have to separate it and you have to judge it and say, this is the way that it was. You have to now name it and describe it, which is only something you can really do once something moves into the past. Which is as you're as you're as you're talking about this, something that comes in my mind is like momentum. So when you start a relationship, it's like there's a lot of fuel that gets that given ignition provides a lot of momentum, and then along the way, you kind of have to have these moments of reorienting and almost stoking that fire, you know, and ta- and taking yeah, totally. care like tending to the relationship itself where at the beginning it just really required a spark, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. And so it's like, as you're, so there's a part of tending to the relationship. So there's a lot of things that momentum will carry forward things that are maybe not good or healthy about the relationship, but the momentum is helping you move into the future to possibly have more tools to deal with the things that you haven't dealt with. You know, yeah. it's like, whether you've been married for one year, 10 years, 30 years, it's like, you're always going to have those places where you have to incorporate things of the past that you've sort of like haven't dealt with or have put away that need to be incorporated. It's almost like that almost becomes the fuel for the future too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah. Well, you were saying this idea of tending to a relationship, you were saying something earlier about, you know, that, that the, the ideal, the symbol mm-hmm. orients you hmm. and it helps to find hopes and dreams and things like that. And, and then even you, the way that you organize your life around pointing towards those and the things that you do and the natural expression of love that is fueled by that momentum that you're talking about at the beginning, you don't have to think too much about it. It just spills out. It's like, hmm. I was at the store and I saw these flowers and I thought of you and I just had to buy them and bring them to you. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're drunk in love. And then at some point, you know, that stuff starts going away. And I think there really is something to saying, you know, when the relationship needs this very conscious tending, Mm -hmm. you know, you you may not want, this is a trivial example, but you may not want to, it may not like arise naturally in you to buy your wife or girlfriend flowers, but mm-hmm. maybe do that. Yeah. You know, on purpose, mm-hmm. you know, or even make yourself. Yeah. Make mm-hmm. yourself. Even if you don't want to, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that it's not that that act, the, the benefit of that act is that it's going to make her happy. Mm-hmm. It's that it is reorienting yourself mm-hmm. toward that. It's in, it's engaging and putting your attention toward that. Mm-hmm. And that is what's going to start pulling the ideal into the reality. Mm-hmm. And that is going to fuel that fire somehow. Yeah. I mean, I, even like in, in marriage counseling, it's like, you know, the one thing I hear most common is, is take one night of the week, having right. a date night. Yeah. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a good time, but just take one night a week, <laughs> you know? Right. But it makes sense. It's like, it's even like with your kids, it's like, you know, 
apologize to your sister or your brother or whatever, yeah. you know, it's like, I don't want to. You're well, it's like, I, it's, it's like, I'm sorry, but you see just the act the, it's, you, yeah, you've mentioned totally. this before, like just doing the act. Mm-hmm. You, pre- you pretend yourself. You pretend. I mean, this is the, this is exactly how we learn to do anything. You <laughs> pretend <laughs> until you understand it and then it becomes real. Yeah. I mean, this, this is Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I thought of, which I know I've mentioned before is this idea of like, how do you write a song? Mm-hmm. And I've always thought I have no idea how to write a song, but I know exactly how to not write oh, a song. That's right. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, I may not want to play my guitar, but if I want to write a song, maybe not today or at some point in the future, if it's something that I desire to do, it's like, mm-hmm. well, show up. How about that? Like start there, even yeah. if you don't want to, mm-hmm. even if it upsets you, it feels bad, you yeah. know, um, you're orienting yourself towards that ideal through your you know, in that case, the ideal of, of <clears throat> hoping to write a song mm-hmm. through taking the most fundamental of actions and pointing them in that direction. Yeah. Well, it's even like, uh, I'm slowly getting it. I might get this wrong a little bit. I'm just not getting into him, but Nassim Taleb <clears throat> talks Taleb. about Taleb. Uh, he, go, he gets into this sort of like idea of like, you know, what chance has to play. But at the same time, if you don't buy the lottery ticket, you're not going to win the lottery. Mm-hmm. So there is a, there's this idea of like chance or luck, but at the same time, if you don't put yourself in that position, right. You will never, you will never even be able to chance and luck don't matter. Yeah, exactly. You have to sign up for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably the same thing with love too. (laughs) There's a certain amount of yet. You have to kind of sign up for it. Right. Right. Continue to put yourself out there, whether it's a 20 year marriage or. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, back to the idea of like the beginning of, of a relationship. And then once it kind of gets to be a bit more of a grind, it's like mm-hmm. at the beginning, the symbol is, is enough, but then at some point, maybe that's not. And so you have to do the work of defining it a bit and, sa- and saying, or maybe just saying, you know, Hey, there is something that I desire here. Mm-hmm. And maybe even just saying it's enough to orient you in a way that starts to manifest that. Well, so that's what kind of strikes me. This is the, we've kind of lost our story of love. Hmm. You know, it's, you know, a lot up into this, you know, more modern era, a lot of that was carried through mythology and religion. And we had a story of, you know, whether it be unrequited love or, uh, star crossed lovers, you know, uh, that just miss each other. You know, it's like, we, it seems like we've, we somewhat don't know what to believe anymore. Like what Mm -hmm. is, what is love? Like, is it, is it what serves me? You know, it's like, is it, Mm -hmm. you know, what, is it a temporary thing? Is it a a transactional, you know, like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'll do this for you. If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. If you do this for me, it seems like we've gotten to a place where we generally describe love as a feeling. Hmm. And so in that way it is temporary yeah. and it is somewhat transactional. Mm-hmm. If I feel this way and you feel this way, then great. Mm-hmm. Once one of us stops feeling this way, well, time to break up. Time right? to break up. Yeah. That's interesting. That's such a, like a, a, a shallow view of love. <clears throat> like I think the, the best thing I've ever heard is, is or the one of the one aspect of love that I've always love is a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the feeling is there, but you choose to love. And that's mm-hmm. something that has always been, you know, even, you know, probably I was a little bit more romantic in my early years <laughs> when I was a young lad, <laughs> you know, just thinking like, like I got to find the one, the one, you know, it's like, and I, you know, as I tend to believe is like, I think there was probably like a thousand, the ones, you know, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is there's a part of choosing, you know, and committing yourself and, you know, walking in life and through life with somebody, you know, cause I feel like you can get in trouble if you think of the one because, Oh no, I got it wrong. That's not the one. This is the exact point. The Oracle makes to Neo. <laughs> <laughs> Good to say it. <laughs> she, she had to tell him that he wasn't the one so that he would choose. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And that's so good though. It's like, it's like we have that's, to, that's by the way, 
that movie holds up perfectly. Mm. It's so good. The first one. Yeah. What the hell? Like that's, it's a cult classic, uh, but it's, there's just so many elements, whether you're talking about Bitcoin to, <laughs> you know, to like, uh, <clears throat> you know, current mainstream media to, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you just feel like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, but I agree. I think, I think love is a choice, but, and I think that's part of what I'm saying when I say love is motion, mm-hmm. hmm. you know, there are times when you don't have to choose motion, Yeah, you know, but that's momentum. <laughs> that's momentum. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but there are other times when momentum wanes and you, you have to choose to keep moving. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is, this is perfectly made clear in parenting. Mm. Uh, very clear. Very clear. <laughs> Because parenting is is um, <coughs> probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do, and you have to choose. Mm-hmm. I want to do this, you know. And there's some biological necessity to it that that compels you, but it is a choice. I'm going to choose to love my child who's throwing a temper tantrum and literally kicking me and biting me and, th- and destroying the house. It's like. Do you love that child? <laughs> this gets so strange to me. Uh-huh. It's like, do you love that child? You're like, no, I've never been more angry at another individual <laughs> in my whole life. Uh-huh. Do you love that child? Yes. Uh-huh. And I know because you're continuing to care for it, even though you're angry and there's no love, mm-hmm. you know, that you feel. But, you know, in that case, it's not a feeling. It is a choice. It is mm-hmm. an action. It is a movement. It is saying a responsibility too. Yeah, engaging in the responsibility. Um, and yeah, wow. That's but good. isn't that weird? Like, it's like uh, it was. I think it was in that happiness book that I've forgotten the um, name of the book. But uh, uh, like people say, like, oh yeah, everyone should have kids, you know. But it's also the the hardest and the worst thing ever. Which is why you should do it. Uh, which, which is so counterintuitive. You know, we think that, well, we want to be happy. We want to have more pleasure than pain. But we forget about, like, pain is actually helpful. Pain is information. You mm-hmm. know, and that it's like, if you don't have... And also, if you don't willingly, like, expose yourself, it's like you'll never, you'll never grow. Well, who is it that said something like, the thing that you need most lies in the place that you fear to go. I think that's young. Something like that. Yeah. Or yeah. Newman or something like that. Yeah. It's like where the, where the dragon is, the treasure is the, the <laughs> dance. Very deep archetypes. Yeah. These, mm-hmm. these myths, mm-hmm. mythologies. Yeah. It's like, it's in the subconscious. It's something that you don't know and don't understand. And you have to expose yourself to that in order to go into the future. Right. And that's the thing with, with, um, raising children. Mm-hmm. Is it's hard, but the fruit of that difficulty mm-hmm. is, <clears throat> um, well, something that you can't learn any other way. Even if it's through loss, you know, you lose a kid. Yeah. <laughs> As I've gotten a bit older and have been parenting for quite some time now, my oldest is 15. Hmm. So I've been a dad for 15 years, which is damn crazy. Um, <laughs> I've realized that like, you know, there's a lot of ways that, um, Everyone dies, right? <clears throat> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Uh, but the act of parenting is literally a transfer of life force from you to your children. Hmm. Like, there have been days where I've been parenting and I thought, oh, this is how you die. That's right. <laughs> this this is taking all of my life force. <laughs> and And eventually, I'll just... They'll have it all. Uh-huh. And that's kind of exactly true. Like not in a negative way, uh-huh. in an evolutionary way. Yeah. You know, you, uh-huh. you propagate mm-hmm. and you pass yourself on to your children literally. Yeah. You know, and, it, and, and the act of raising them is transferring your life force to them. Totally. And, you know, when I thought that, or the times that I thought that it's felt kind of like a negative pruning aspect, like you're mm-hmm. sucking it out of me, but I think it's actually kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like if that's true, wow. Okay. Then I can engage in this. Mm-hmm. I can choose, I can be aware of it and look for it and say, oh, I want to give this to you. Mm-hmm. I want to give myself to you. Yeah. 
teach you what I know. I want to, you know, and that's not like passing information necessarily. That could be as simple as being there when they're hurt and crying, Mm -hmm. you know, like my daughter recently was hurt. Something had happened with one of her friends and I had kind of noticed, but she didn't seem like she wanted to be approached. And maybe an hour later, I finally kind of came up to her and I was like, Hey, are you, you doing okay? And she like immediately just broke down in tears and sort of like fell into my chest and hugged me. And I just thought, I want to give myself to you. Yeah. That's sweet. That's good. Teach you that it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. Teach you that I'll do that with you. Mm -hmm. You know, like those are the, the, that's also a transfer. Yeah. You know, just like it would be a transfer to give discipline or to, um, you know, as you were saying earlier, like teach our kids to apologize Mm -hmm. or teach them to drive or teach them how to fix something, you know? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. There's a, there's a genetic, there's a psychological, a mimetic sort of passing on into the future. Good use of mimetic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Michael just winked at me. (laughs) It was, it was good. I, I just, I have on my board a meme to reality because like, you know, uh, Elon Musk is saying. Meme to reality, Bitcoin to the moon. Yeah. And like, like Elon Musk is literally going to the moon and going to build a base. I'm, I'm thinking by the way that, uh, you should probably buy some Doge coin right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's going to be on SNL and you know, he's going to meme up Doge. Oh on SNL. gosh. Yeah. That's so true. All right. So it is. Price is going to go. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, so we almost shifted the conversation. I was about, I know, to, go, I I was about to jump well, on so that one. <laughs> I feel like I, I felt like I needed to say this is not financial advice because I don't know why. It's like I've been listening to a bunch of financial podcasts uh-huh. and you know following a bunch of people on Twitter, That's and everybody say. always says that. I don't know why they say that. Well, because they don't want to be sued. And like, if anybody's listening to this and for financial advice, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you try to sue us, you're not going to get much. <laughs> I got five bucks and some dope coins. <laughs> some dope coin. Uh-huh. Well, if dope coin does go up, though, then maybe. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Never mind. I don't have any dope uh, coin. <laughs> man. Um, I love how you look can, at the clock. Can we, we engage? <laughs> Of uh, uh, the love thing? Yeah. Yeah, we can uh, re-engage. Or uh, <laughs> is this just a natural stopping point? Um, this has been a... This conversation has gone a lot better than I expected. I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of things here that <clears throat> deserve a lot more thought and a lot more discussion. Well, I, I wanted, I wanted, the sticky point for me is still the ideal part. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like... Not that I necessarily get hung up on it, but I can see how other people can get hung up on that idea That idea of the ideal. <laughs> I mean, I don't get hung up on it. but <laughs> Well, no, because I am getting yeah. hung up on it, but also right. there's something about that that is also makes sense to me. And I, and I don't know if there's another word for it, but at the same time, maybe I'd be able to talk about what that means. What is an ideal? Because when I think of the way that I'm, I'm hearing it, especially from you and the way that I kind of understand it is like, Anytime you were in a relationship, you're projecting something into the future, you know, but that exists now. But you also know with anything that there has to be some sort of momentum for a relationship to continue into the future. Like we have a shared interest of baseball, you know, Hmm. or podcast, you know, it's like, it's like there's something that we have that, that projects into the future and that we can relate over and about. Well, maybe the abstraction is, is, um, <clears throat> making it a bit cold because it isn't as if you, <laughs> well, maybe this isn't true. It isn't as if you walk up to someone and you say, here's the ideal, let's mm-hmm. go do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, a it's a, it's a process of discovery. True. And this is why I say that the ideal is not clearly defined in the context of a relationship. Mm-hmm. So long as love is in motion, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be articulated. Mm-hmm. And neither does the current reality. You're living in, in motion, and the motion is what matters. Mm-hmm. It's like the, was it the journey, not the destination? It almost kind of sounds like Kind of, yeah. I mean, but, but then again, there's something really interesting, because... Um, Arranged marriages tend to be very successful. Mm-hmm. 
And that is literally saying, here's the ideal. Let's go do it together. Mm -hmm. You know, that can work. But again, I think it has to, that's, that's in this scenario. It's like, I don't see how without mythologizing in some way, Yes, you right. can't have love. Yeah, it has to be in the context of family or societal, and at the larger extent, religious mm-hmm. um, projection that you orient yourself toward. Yeah, and then start to claim and define something as your own. But you're mm-hmm. right; you do have to start with some mythological projection. Yeah. <clears throat> I just don't see how you can get away with it. Because if you want to be like very, uh, um, I, I would say evolution in a very narrow sense of like, hey, Allison, I want to have kids that will then have pr- push my gen- genetics into the future. You know, it's like, <laughs> would you have kids with me so that we may pr- 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 push our genetics into the future? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, I mean, just coming to the reality of the coldness that you would have to accept. There's something different about humans in that we have created these stories and narratives Mm. that seem to have something connected to something that's real. And I think that's, that can be debated. And I Mm. I think it's, I think it's a fantastic topic, but I think just more acknowledging the fact that that is something that is very, very close to our experience as humans is that we have a narrative that for anything to move into the future, we do have to project a mythology or a narrative, hmm. you know, and, and that's one thing we talked about, like, well, science, science, but the, still the same thing is you have to interpret science and, and, and what do you value and how do you use science to project into the future. You still have to build a narrative or a story. Like we want to be an interplanetary species in order to, you know, you, but you're building a story, you're building a narrative. That's not science. Yeah. You know, it's like, and so that's the part that I think is, I think that's something that we cannot get away from is, you know, what is love? What is friendship? What is, it's like, there has to be uh, a mythology or a, or a mm-hmm. narrative that is, that's underlying those things. You know, what is the orientation of our movement and, Mm -hmm. and why is it oriented that way? Mm -hmm. And science and is a tool. I mean, in some sense, I think science seeks to understand why, like the answer to that question, Mm -hmm. why is our orientation this way? Mm -hmm. I think we've, you know, post enlightenment sort of come to see science as the discovery of what is true. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's actually not at all what science is. It's more accurately this, the discovery of what is false. Or how something, how something <clears throat> happens. It's like we see these things like you're, we can see like, oh, you're in love and these things fire. It's like, well, when that happens, you see this thing happen. <laughs> but even that's embedded in <clears throat> a story in a story uh-huh, totally. because the only reason you're looking at it is because we know something about love and we wonder what it is. It's like the effects you're only seeing the effects and interpreting the effects, mm-hmm. seeing the results. That's another, I think that's too much of a, <laughs> yeah, right. Of a rabbit hole to go down right now, but <clears throat> hmm. yeah, I think definitely the, the narrative, the mythologizing, the ideal, there's no, I, I don't see a way around it. Even it, whether you're an atheist, uh, uh, a Christian, a Muslim, it's like you build a narrative, even for your family. You know, most families I know, whether you're Sam Harris or Brett Weinstein or, you know, Joe Biden or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's like, or Jill Biden, <laughs> uh, you do build a narrative for your family. This is what we're about. This is what we do. Hmm. Um, you know, Vaclav's were the V force, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like right. you have, you, you have your own inner mythologizing that you do that, you know, we do this, we're a sports family or whatever it is, you know, it's mm-hmm. like something to kind of unify. And well, so that's really interesting because that generally starts as a simple observation, mm-hmm. but once it is <clears throat> described and named, 
it no longer is an observation of what's real. It, it becomes part of mm. the ideal that orients you. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, we are this way. This is what we're about. This is what we like. This is how we handle situations. This is mm-hmm. an orienting thing. And part of orientation is, is description of what is and, and sort of dream and vision casting, mm-hmm. which is a description of hope. Yeah. And hope toward what, <clears throat> you know, that's the thing. That's what the ideal is. Mm-hmm. And so long as you're moving again, it doesn't really need all that much description. Mm-hmm. It's when you stop that it becomes clear. And that's when it starts feeling like loss and misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You definitely have that sort of pushing into the chaos. The ordering of that chaos is that, movement you know and but you have to continue to move into the chaos and the action of ordering Mm -hmm. like that's like that movement it's the action of orienting and ordering um but if you stick if you stop then the order becomes tyrannical and you become one thing i've always i've always thought about someone told me a long time ago it's like you know if in this situation, they didn't put in these terms, but if you're not pushing into the chaos, into the ideal, it's like all of a sudden you're married to a maid and you're the butler Hmm. and you live, you occupy the same territory. It's an interesting way to put it. But you're, but you actually work for the house that you live in. (laughs) You know, it's like, you actually don't own it and there's no ownership there. It's just like, you have these duties you perform. Right. That sounds and the duties are outdated. Mm-hmm. It just made me think about, um, like, as my kids have grown older, like bedtimes have changed. Mm. You know, at a certain age, you know, bedtime is super early or whatever. Yeah. And that's and that's really loving because <coughs> it would be mm. and 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 that order. I mean, that's what a bedtime is. It's it's order out of chaos. Mm-hmm. Chaos is ensuing, and so you establish some order and say, at this time, chaos stops. Mm-hmm. And if you fight me on it, I'm going to win. Yeah. It's time for it to stop, you know, <laughs> totally. <clears throat> you know, so maybe your kids get to a certain age and you establish an eight thirty bedtime and that's, mm-hmm. that's good, you know, but as they get into high school, that's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's an outdated set of order. Yeah. And if you stop incorporating the chaos and in, in updating the order, mm-hmm. that starts to become tyrannical and it starts to become oppressive and your kids are definitely not going to like you and they're not going to want to hang out with you mm-hmm. and they're not going to want to be at your home, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's going to fracture your relationship. Yeah. But it's, it's like, but you always have those limits, like 1230 on a school night, not good. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, and that's the thing is like, as you, as you progress in any relationship in which love is involved, it's a constant negotiation of these things. Yeah, and there's that time when they move out of the house that, hey, you know, I've I've given you everything that I can, but also you're gonna have to experience that going to bed at two thirty and you have an eight a.m. class. <laughs> it's not a good thing, and you're gonna have to and learn. You're gonna that. have to learn. That. I'm not responsible for you anymore, right, right. <laughs> or at least not to that degree. Right. <laughs> well, I think that was good. Cool. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, love the ideal. Yeah. I, love, I just love that the whole part of that is the movement, movement yeah. and um, yeah, probably we need to talk about chaos. We had some, we had a discussion earlier about chaos and mm-hmm. exposing yourself to chaos. Well, maybe, uh, well, we got a little bit of time, but there's something like about like exposing yourself to chaos and allowing yourself to be reoriented. Like, you know, whether exposing yourself to love again or in business to, you know, you've gone out of business a few times or something like that. You know, it's like, or you keep always being at the door of, (laughs) of, of chaos, of, 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 uh, destruction. It's like opening yourself back up to that time and time again. Well, that's an, that's an interesting point. I think, Well, that dovetails into the idea of outdated order becomes tyrannical. Um, because <clears throat> you can also take refuge in that. Mm-hmm. Totally. And be 
unwilling to engage in new chaos Mm -hmm. because, you know, once you've established some order, you want to take refuge in it and Mm -hmm. not, and, and that's good, but you do that long enough and all of a sudden you're not starting another business because Mm. you don't want the chaos or another relationship or having another kid or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, starting another project, moving when you know that you need to, or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Well, maybe we can revisit that. I think, I think my flow state's done. Flow state's done. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) That was the sound of flow state being done. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Thanks, everybody. Good stuff. Bye.